My people, my people, where my people be. Time for the Racing Family Show. And will Wheeler show up? That's the big question. Will my guy, the Christopher Wheeler, show up? He said it was movie night. Uh, so I don't know what makes Monday night movie night, but hey, hopefully our guy Wheeler will indeed show up. Hello, Minister of Mirth, Lance. Hello, Alex. Hello, everybody. Caleb, how you doing? Oh, boy. Been a, uh, been an interesting first day off, uh, with a lot of stuff going on that makes it feel like it's not exactly uh, day off. But hey, uh, that's what happens when you hold a motor race. And uh, drivers and officials and teams all kind of act a fool at some point in time. That being if you happen to watch the Watkins Glen IMSA race yesterday. Matt Archuleta, how are you? Uh, so yeah, hey, apologies. We haven't done a show in... I don't know, like a month, almost a month. It's just, it's been, that's the way it's been. But uh, hopefully we'll get back on track here. Nick's good to see you as well, Trevor, and so on and so forth. Jeff, Brady, and Chris, oh, all kinds of fun. Uh, Kurt, great to see you. Love to hear uh, what events you have coming up, you and your fellow corner worker, Lance Snyder there. Been on the phone almost all day long. Again, despite this being, quote, first day off, proper day off. Uh, but all good. A long conversation with a series official. Another long conversation with a driver. Hey, Christy. Aren't you supposed to be on vacation uh, in Mexico or something? Uh, that's what Wheeler said. Jamie, good to see you. Um Recorded like a two-hour weekend sports car podcast with my man, Graham Goodwin. First super long one in a long time. Um, what else? Wheeler and I caught up for like 45 minutes. It's been a, it's been a day. Not a bad day. Just a, a busy day. My wife and I both at about 3 o'clock said, how did it get to be 3? We really, truly didn't quite understand. But let me do this. I'm going to text our guy, Wheeler and see if he will grace us with whatever thing it is that he graces us with, his fine self, and um, see if he's uh, going to come play Twitter Spaces with us. Uh, trying to think what else has happened today of interest. Oh, hey, um, don't know if you saw. There kind of sort of might have been a little bit of a, uh, a race that happened yesterday and a person and persons with that team were uh, said they were the winners and then they went through post-race technical inspection and they were told you're not the winners um, and that seems to have caused a little bit of uh, of controversy and got to admit I I understand a lot of the reactions the hey wait a minute uh, we're talking less than a millimeter of a skid plate being out of compliance, too thin. Are you seriously going to take a win away for that, but not take the win away from Meyershank Racing for being significantly more than uh, a tiny bit 
out of compliance on tire pressures with the Rolex 24. I get a lot of that. And I don't disagree with the general premise of, hey there, IMSA, be really consistent. These are very different things, though. And hey, we got our pal Bozy here. Um, let me invite Bozy to speak, provided he wants to speak. And uh, we can give him his flowers and the team's flowers very quickly from the Vassar Sullivan, mighty Vassar Sullivan organization uh, on winning not just one class, but both classes they participate in uh, here at the good old IMSA. Bozy, unmute yourself, brother. Um, what's, what's happening? Congratulations is what's happening there. Um, how awesome is that? It is extremely awesome. Uh, we're, we're very, very excited to, to be able to accomplish that. And, you know, absolutely just ecstatic that we were able to share that with our teammates with both the 12 and the 14 car winning at, at the same time. And you got featured on the broadcast, which is even better. Like, the love was a fun time. is remarkable. It was a very fun time. I, I, I had a really good time with it. And Matt Yoakum was really cool, came by, so it was, it was awesome. Of the many things I've said today, Bozy, in conversations with various friends, one of them is, I want you to mute yourself just so we don't have all the background here. Um, one of the things that I said is, good Lord, whatever IMSA needs to do going forward to make sure that Matt Yoakum is a regular presence on its broadcast. Uh, pit lane reporter, been a pit lane reporter for forever, known Matt forever. Uh, primarily for a long time, been a NASCAR guy, uh, mostly through Fox, but he's doing the endurance races and we're thankful for that. But despite what is often the limited role given to pit lane reporters, talk about the thing that's happening right now. And that's where your contributions start and end. Matt has a really and truly special ability to tell stories, and he doesn't just make them up. He does intense research prior to events. Sometimes he'll reach out and ask me whatever, or know if I can point him towards something, but he does truly intensive research so he can tell amazing human stories uh, about the Bozies of the world, so that it's not just a little quick hit, hey, Bozie, you're a guy, you do a thing, and, you know, folks like you, and cool, but actual, like, no. Let's go in-depth and tell your real story. I just really hope that IMSA realizes that Matt needs to be like a permanent fixture on pit lane because what he did with your uh, your segment, Bozy, just went above and beyond what we normally get. So anyways, just congratulations for not only the win, but just getting the love as an individual that you are due. I, I appreciate that. And the cool thing is that, you know, people may not realize how much work goes into stuff like that, but this all started with me and Matt sitting together on a plane after Sebring flying back to Charlotte. And he just, you know, we just had like regular conversation. And then a few weeks later, he's like, I have an idea. And, you know, after that, he reached out to our wonderful PR manager, director, Kevin Diamond. And Mr. Diamond just, you know, <laughs> helped put all the pieces together. But, yeah, it's like weeks and months worth of research on Matt's side to, you know, put this segment together that, you know, is very detailed. So there's a lot that goes into the stuff, even though on TV it may seem that, you know, they just grabbed somebody from the sidelines. It's actually, you know, a couple of pages worth of notes to have stuff that's, you know, relevant and accurate. 
And that's the signature of a pro, right? Taking something that looks smooth and easy and kind of informal uh, and, and presents it that way. So it looks like just two folks having a conversation. You're not supposed to realize that, oh, this actually took a lot of time to put together. So, hey, my co-host, Christopher Wheeler. I'm, I'm not here. I'm not here. I died. But, Bozy, I'll tell you, I'm not going to congratulate you on a win. I'm going to congratulate you on both wins. Because how about the dominance of the Master Sullivan Lexus in both classes? It, it, was, it was absolutely excellent. And it's it's so cool for, for the 12 guys to be able to share in that and to finally get to, you know, get – get all the work they put into the you know on display because they've they've been just pushing and pushing and pushing and we've worked together and they've just had little bits of bad luck here and there and so to see them just be that dominant and perform was really really cool i'm just just so happy for those guys wheeler you know how lucky we are we've got friends like how lucky Bozy are we who, who can win two races in a single day like that's how good he is and then we have our man kyle sagan We'll call him Kyle Sagan, who's won what? Three out of the last four IndyCar races. And as you and I discussed today, barring a driver's mistake that hampered his pole winning Indy 500 driver, Sagan could easily be four for four right now. So I'm just saying, when we get together for our little racing family gatherings between Bozy having things just locked down in IMSA, Sagan locked down an IndyCar. We're really blessed. You know, <clears throat> it's funny, Marshall. Uh, I talked to Sully last night from Vassar Sullivan, and he was super excited, right? But more importantly, he was like, hey, weren't you supposed to be here this weekend? And I said, yeah, but I've been there the last four or three years with you and haven't had to do much, so I took this weekend off. And I think, I think it's just my luck, man. I think I'm done going to racetracks. Just, you are now getting paid by Sully thousands of dollars to stay away from IMSA races. Start, That's phenomenal. They're going to start paying me to not go. You got the dream job right there. That's what I'm looking uh, looking forward to. You can have my you can have my golf cart at Petite. I already paid for it. That's amazing. Uh, hey uh, Sagan, tell me real quick or tell us. And I swear you just changed your avatar mid show, uh, which is like that is just a boss move right there. Um, and we need to talk more about this and I need to have you on my podcast so you can speak super at length, but Bozy, I mean, you, me, Bozy, Wheeler, there are others are late Robin Miller. There's kind of a group of us who've come into what we do in media. Like I'm obviously kind of full-time media now, but Wheeler's obviously doing more and more while still on the crew side. Bozy still on the crew side but doing media. Um, there's a lot of us who used to get our hands dirty or whatever, turning wrenches, running teams, engine, whatever, um, who are finding newer roles or adding roles in our lives uh, on the media side. Bozy's obviously been in this space for a couple of years now, joined us at Road and Track a little while ago. And so again, just awesome. Like that's the way it should be. And you, Mr. Sagan, because I know you and I have had these discussions I see that you're starting to venture into this space some, and we'll develop this more and tell folks more about it uh, on my podcast, but tell folks about you trying to bring the crew side of your world and some of those stories uh, to light. 
Yeah, it's something that, you know, it honestly kind of sparked my interest just from watching Bozy and then obviously everything that Marshall, you'd do. But uh, just trying to figure out a way to bring more to the limelight the work and dedication and love that the crew guys put into not only, you know, building the car, trying to win races, the whole deal, but all the extra effort for pit stops, which I've come to love and I've turned into a second job after my full-time career. But um, yeah, I just think that, uh, you know, with the help of a lot of other people that are just as passionate about it as I am, I think we can bring more attention to the guys and girls that really work their butts off and become a huge part of, you know, success. I think that's really neat. Well, we're going to look. Bozy's already blown up on his own. How could he not? Look at the smile on this guy, right? And the, the passion for what he does. You have the same. Granted, if we're talking beards, yours is kind of the best, one of the best beards in IndyCar. So folks are going to love your smile too. But uh, we're going to get you fully blown up here as well, Sagan. So one day, when I'm kind of old and crotchety, uh, you, you too. Look, I'm just seeding stuff for the future. I'll be totally transparent. I just want you guys to hire me when I'm old and no one else will hire me. So I can be on your podcast or your TV shows or whatever it is that you're doing. But we're going to get you there, Sagan. So, uh, yeah, hell, you know, you know I'm, I'm really, us on your shows. I'm really not that far behind you, so I'll be just as crotchety as you, Bar- our bud. <laughs> all, all, you, all of you old guys just need to figure it out. Wheeler, you look 90, and I don't want to hear it. So there you go. Um Hey, we should talk about stuff. And I kind of was talking a little bit here when Bozy joined in that, uh, hey, uh, IMSA, Watkins Glen, uh, we've covered off the excellence part. Uh, there was a lot of non-excellence stuff, including Man. what to me is kind of sad. I really did not want BMW's first win, nor did they or anybody with a heart want BMW's first modern era GTP win to come via disqualification. 100%. But rumor has it, I had some friends that were trackside today, that BMW was there tire testing, and because they were still there today, they were at least able, maybe given the opportunity to go back and reenact their uh, podium and actually take photos on the top steps and do some good commercial things there. The rest of it sucks, I know. Um, But hey, the only thing I was happy about was at least the, the IMSA side was was consistent yesterday when it came to handing out penalties and um, just being very, very, very critical of every inch of the LMDH class because there were several cars in class that received penalties um, for a variety of different things that in a normal race week, weekend, you would have thought, man, they're, they're kind of being dicks today. Um, but due to Right, I mean, less apparently less than a millimeter clearance on a skid pad is going to cost you a race win. And so, at least if they woke up grumpy on on Sunday and decided to follow the rules to the exact, at least they did it across the board from start to finish. And for that, I can't be mad. A couple of things that frustrate me on this, and Bozy and Kyle, I'd love to hear your thoughts. And I'm not I'm not asking you to hang yourselves out to dry here. Uh, don't get yourselves fired, please. Um, I understand, and mentioned in the opening, I understand why some folks would say, seriously, you're going to take a win away for less than a millimeter of a front skid plate thickness and fraction. And then the other thing, too, 
on the topic of inconsistency. So you can run cheater tire pressures for the Rolex 24 at Daytona and not just run cheater tire pressures, but mask them and like come up with super subterfuge. We're going to cheat the code. So IMSA thinks we're running legal tire pressures, but we're actually running illegal tire pressures. And you don't take that win away, but you're going to take it away for less than one millimeter. So the first one, um, I don't care what the amount is. There's no amount of out of compliance that is acceptable. You're in or you're out. One less than a millimeter or a foot. I don't care. It's not a, well, it's not by much, thereby, therefore it's okay. If, is that, if that's the world we want to live in, then let's just throw away the rule books because we should really never have to worry about meeting any of the rules. The second one, that's a longer discussion. Daytona was very much of a unicorn in terms of what happened. This penalty announced five weeks later. IMSA blind to the fact that they were being conned by the Meyershank Racing Team, being turned in by their manufacturer. All kinds of de debates going back and forth. I don't, uh, I've never agreed with taking everything away but the win and the watches. I think they should have lost everything. But I understand how they came up with that decision because they were somewhat complicit. They failed to catch it. They knew the area that was exploited could be exploited. They failed to catch it. We've seen that before with penalties where you go, the series feels like uh, we we need to take a little bit of this because we should never have let this happen. Sometimes that's when you see they say we're taking your points and the money and whatever, but you can keep the victory in name. You see that decision made. It's usually because the series feels like they were a little bit to blame. With something like this, I don't want this unicorn bizarre scenario at Daytona to now be the control that every other penalty is judged against. To me, it's like, let's put Daytona where it belongs, in this really bizarre place. I don't agree with the, the decision, but it was strange enough to where we shouldn't measure every future penalty and whatever against Daytona as to whether it was consistent or not. What do y'all think? I, I'll be honest. I'll make this short and sweet here. I think how any sports entity and sanctioning body um, does things when it comes to penalties. Um, I disagree with a lot of how they do it. I hate when people react after something's already happened. Um, and I'm going to use baseball as my analogy. We knew baseball players were juicing for years. And instead of looking out for the betterness of the sport and, our, and the growth of baseball at the time and saying, okay, guys, look, we know you're doing it. So here's what we're going to do. You got 90 days. And on this day, moving forward, we're going to start testing for these things. If you get caught after this day, then here's what the penalties are. And that's how it's going to be. Instead, they decided to come in and retroactively just try and cancel the sport um, and ruin baseball for a long time. And so when it comes to this stuff with IMSA, you know, I wish, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I'm not a team owner. I'm not a team manager. Um, but I would like to hope that maybe Daytona happened and it was what it was. And they got caught off guard. And, they did what they thought was right with it and then moved on. And maybe what we're seeing now is like, a, hey, guys, we're going to give you a few races with this new car and this new technology and everything that's going on because we understand how far behind it really is in reality. 
But when we get down the road to this place here, we're gonna we're gonna hit you with it. We're gonna hit you hard with it, and these are the rules, and this is what we're gonna follow. Maybe that's what they did. I, I don't know, but but I'm not mad about it. I can tell you, I heard, and I can't say that this is fact, but it's one of those things that you know you hear in the paddock. Uh, I heard that there was a meeting between the series and manufacturers at Sebring. So, in the uh, in the not too distant of the period following the uh, announcement of the Daytona penalties for Marshank Racing and so on and so forth. But I've heard that there was pretty much what you're talking about, Chris, a, hey, let's go sit down and talk. (laughs) Going forward, if you think we're going to have any latitude on any violation, you have lost your rabbit freaking mind. Ain't happening. Don't play with us. And I am not saying that what happened on Sunday with Porsche Penske Motorsport, which they said they're appealing, so we'll see your, we'll see how that goes. I'm not saying that they did anything intentional. I'm not claiming they went in trying to game IMSA by running a skid block less than a millimeter thinner than it should have been. But I can tell you that at least from what I have heard, IMSA conveyed to manufacturers, GTP manufacturers in particular, it was... Yeah, don't read how we treated Daytona into some sort of, well, we're going to treat each thing going forward in a case-by-case and we'll soften things up, was told they were all absolutely made clear that, nope, the, the it ain't that kind of party. And so one thing, Bozy, you've probably seen, Kyle, you've probably seen, not with teams you've worked on, but maybe with others, is sometimes you get word that, oh, car such and such is still an impound, still in tech. And you then hear pretty quickly thereafter, within an hour or two, checkered flag, maybe three, that there's been a infraction, a penalty of something. When things go swiftly like that, Chris, you've probably seen them too. But when things go swiftly like that, I always have the takeaway of, oh, whatever series it is, must feel pretty confident about what they got. If they had any questions, they probably would have said, we're going to impound the cars, take them here, do a further deep dive. Uh, results are unofficial and give us some time. We need to do super forensic, whatever. When the winner of the race is changed on the same day of the race, it usually implies the sanctioning body feels really strongly about what they've found. Should we read anything into that? I also wonder too, if it's something and not to say that they've had this situation or they've been involved in this, but I've been a part of things before where it's like, okay, this is close or this is right on the le- on the edge. This is right at the limit. Don't let it happen. Don't let it get worse. Don't let it get worse. Well, it got worse. Now you got a penalty. So I don't know if it's something like that or just a common mistake and they got the book thrown at them. It's tough to know without really knowing, I guess. Right. I, I I will say I think it's kind of funny if you if you watch this race at all of Watkins on on Sunday, the the absolute drive that the Penske Porsche did in that closing stint to run down the BMW um, through the traffic, which the traffic was just seems like it never ended. But if you saw the amount of curves these these GTP drivers and all classes really had to take, not because it's the fastest way to run the racetrack, but because that's the only bit of real estate they had. The amount of times these guys drove off track. Um, trying to just maximize and do a full send into the boot or whatever it may have been like, bro, part of me is like, there's no way. Like 
I don't care. You, I could have changed the skid at the halfway point, but I was off track. These cars were off track so much. I don't know what they expected. And at that point, too, at some point, it's going to give out and probably move or just wear away, like you're saying, too. You know, I, I'm paraphrasing from a social media comment from Connor DeFilippi, uh, who won the race with teammate Nick Yellowly, but in response to someone, uh, was basically saying, you know, we spent the six hours in, you can say other races as well, knowing this rule, doing our best to actively avoid the places on the track, curbing, big bumps, you name it, that would wear the heck out of them. And so, again, not picking on the Porsche Penske side, who knows, maybe their appeal will be upheld and they'll get the win back. Who knows? But I thought Connor's point was pretty salient, him saying, like, hey, <laughs> there's like, you know, eight or nine of us in this class, and we all have to adhere to the same rule and we all kind of know how to do that and that's by avoiding big hard strikes to the uh to the skid plates and i'm not saying that um matthew jaminet or nick tandy were intentionally ignoring that nor do we know the exactly what happened again we, we are missing so many facts but at least for the point connor tried to raise of like hey, this is a known rule, and in the cockpit, there are things we all, class-wide, actively do to make sure we don't run afoul of this rule. Now, again, I'm not saying the Porsche drivers ignored that, just saying that this isn't one of those random things that they got dinged for that no one's ever heard of. This is an actual strategy, um, whether it's this class in this series or other series, where such things are definitely monitored and there are rules for them and you have to pass those rules if you win the race or to get through technical inspection. You know, Marshall, one thing that I think is kind of funny, though, too, I'm just sitting here thinking about this more and more. I would, I'm willing to say Matt Bosey hasn't been on the team side as long as, you know, you spent with teams and Sagan's been around or I've done it. And so I don't know if he's ever experienced this, but I know for a fact that years ago, I mean, years ago, statute of limitations are up years ago. <clears throat> I've been a part of teams that won races and went to tech. And they're like, ooh, well, you know, okay, look, we're going to find you a little bit under the table. We're going we're gonna, to you know, do some point stuff here. But, we're, hey, man, just don't let it happen again, right? Kind of like what Kyle was saying earlier. And I wonder, though, if this truly is a fallout from Daytona, if this is, Hey, we are serious. This isn't IMSA, the dental and surgical racing league anymore. This isn't IMSA. The 75% of the grid is paying to be here. This is, this is IMSA. And we're here with real manufacturers at the highest level of sports car racing on the brink of what could be the greatest stretch of sports car racing history. If everything works out over the next three to five years, and we're not taking any shit because we're working with our friends at the ACO and at WEC, and we are trying to build this global brand, and we are not going to, to cut corners. We are not going to do the thing. So th from the team side, you're thinking, all right, well, look, man, like what's the big deal, right? We're, we're going to be fine. We've done it before. Ha -ha. Everything's cool. And I wonder if this is just a new attitude. It's a new thing, right? Shoulders are out. Elbows are out. And they're not playing games. And I love that. 
Because I can tell you, going to Lamar and being there, having just to go through scrutinizing with driver safety gear, it's the I most. Appre- it's the I most appreciate no f around environment Dude, ever. I I absolutely one hundred percent enjoyed the fact that you don't go here on the racetrack, and if you do, you're going to hit a sausage curb that's going to crack your tub. And we put it there because we're assholes, and we don't want you to be there. So don't do it. And if you try and cut it additionally, uh, we doubled the size of them here. Or if you do this wrong, the, the red line in the garage, right? If you if your toe so much as the shadow creeps over the edge of that red line before it's supposed to be over there, you're going to get called on it. And that man or woman that stood in that pit box as an official is so proud to report that toe violation every single time because that's what the rule book says. And if that's where we're going with this, sign me up. I am all for it because I love it. Another thing, too, just love to get some thoughts here. We want consistency, for sure. Uh, Ryan Terpstra, a friend from the Prue Day, sent in a question for uh, the Weekend Sports Car Show, basically saying, like, okay, what's worse? I'm trying to compare and contrast what was going on at Watkins Glen with, uh, hey, the Renus VK, Felix Rosenquist, no call. It's like, well, again, I don't know if I would use the weird handling of this bizarre thing at Daytona as the control to compare against calling out a team for a infraction at Watkins Glen. But we do look for consistency when it comes to officiating, because, again, in theory, there should be no, like, unicorn things. It should be, that's always a penalty, or that's never a penalty. But why is the thing that's always a penalty not a penalty today? And, okay, we're... That's something for me to be grumpy over. But the thing that I just find a little weird here is it's like, so we're mad at IMSA for not taking away the win from Meyershank Racing at Daytona. And I agree. Again, I've already said I fully believe that's what should have happened, but it didn't. I understand the reasons why. But hey, IMSA, you did wrong by not taking the win away. And hey, IMSA, you just took the win away. And you're wrong, and you shouldn't have taken it away. It's not; it wasn't that much of an infraction. Uh, I just get stuck here with the. Wait a minute. <laughs> Take you're wrong for not taking it, but you're now wrong for taking it. But what do we want from these people? I don't know. I don't know if I know. Um, I just know that it seems like whatever decision they make is considered not the right one by some folks. You know, I've I've always felt that. You know, my dad was always the one who was like, yeah, you know, I know your mom says you shouldn't do that, but hey, kid, have fun. Just don't be an idiot. And my mom was the one who was like, look, deal's a deal. You get the homework done, then you watch the television, then you play video games, and you go to bed. Like, right? Like, one was very structured, very, these are the policies. This is how we do things. And the other one was like, yeah, I know it's probably better to do that, but you know what, kid? Our parents were so different. It was my dad who was very structured and my mom who dropped me off to see the movie Scarface on my own <laughs> three times. Three times in the theater, like twelve years old or whatever. But well yeah, and, uh, but, and that's my point, right? Like we've we've all most of us have experienced something in life like this where we've had it both ways. And personally I would much rather have give it to me strict I need to know in black and white what the what the parameters are. Give me the box. I'll I'll operate inside of it and maximize what I can with what I've got. And that's how it should be for everybody. So I'm I'm a big fan. Like I said, if this is the future of where we're going with it on the on the technical side, great. 
you will not show me a race control in this country that I'm going to agree with consistently. You just won't. And I've been in race control. I've been a steward. I've been an assistant race director. Dude, it is the most miserable job ever. And I shouldn't say what if instead of what about instead of taking the win away from Porsche, you let them keep the win, but at the next race at MoSport, aka Canadian Tire Motorsports Park, they make them start stranded in the middle of turn one and have to wait for all the prototypes in GT cars to go blasting around them on the left and right. Well, what at if least that's be, the penalty? So at, at least it would be consistent in the, in the, in the start or no start for the GT Sorry. field. However, Sorry, however, what we would, what we'd end up doing is look at each other and say, so wait a second, all I have to do is survive not getting hit on a start and I can go, I can go break a rule and go win this race. I will I'm go win in. every single race. <laughs> if you tell me I can win every race and my biggest penalties are going to have to start in the middle of a turn one strategy, dude, I'm going to go win every race. This is the best. Uh, hey, uh, we I forgot to mention early, my fault. Most things are my fault, so I hope I'm living up to standards here. Uh, this is not meant to be the longest episode of the Racing Family Show. We're going to ease back into things. Hopefully, maybe, might do one later this week. Um so we're not meant to do a super long episode, and so with that in mind, Mr. Wheeler, should we invite some of our awesome friends to raise hands, request to speak or otherwise, and uh, weigh in with a couple of things, and then have you say farewell? Yeah, no, we can. I think maybe two, three questions here. Um, I think we're both kind of on a clock. We're both on something. Um, we just lost you there for a moment, but uh, if you do indeed. Bernard, we have you queued up here, our closer. Um, why don't we uh, go ahead and approve our pal Peter Croft? We have a lot of awesome volunteer race officials uh, tuning in to the good old show. And Cam and Eddie, of course. Peter, why don't you unmute yourself and uh, pose a question here in the good old racing family show? Yeah, thanks. Uh, not so much a question, but just an observation. Um Technical regulations that they're always going to crack down a little tougher on those, and I, I'm not fully familiar with uh, the shenanigans with uh, Meyer Shank at uh, Daytona and what was done, but you could have something there where it's something that nobody's ever thought anybody would do, and okay, well, you got away with one. You know, the first one's always free, but. When you're talking about measurements, when you're talking about absolute measurements in, in, a, in a technical specification, they're going to come down hard on you, and, and that's just the way it's always been. Yeah, it's the way it's supposed to be, right? I mean, uh, I don't think the uh, – how's this? Well, uh, Chris used the baseball and steroid era example earlier. Like, well, hey, this – Mark McGuire was injecting two gallons of steroids per week, uh, but the other guy who was injecting steroids was only injecting, like, a pint. Well, well, you know, the guy with the pint should get off lighter than the guy. And you go, look, man, are we talking about the amounts that you were cheating or the amounts that you were out of compliance? Or is it a black and white thing in compliance, out of compliance? That's where my head goes. But again, I do realize, Peter, that not everybody does. A lot of folks focus on 
the severity, right? Now, we're not, the argument here is, all right, the speed limit's 55 miles an hour, and the Penske Porsche was doing 55.3 miles per hour. Uh, come on, right? If, if they were going 90, well, that's way over the speed limit. But, oh, it's just a tiny fraction. Just let them go. And you go, but the, but the speed limit. But we tell everyone else to comply. And, like, again, I re that's the thing that just gets driven home every time something like this happens, right? Some folks, my brain in particular, focuses on the black and white. In compliance, out of compliance. Others don't really think about that. It's a severity thing. How much or how little? And if it's little, eh, let it go. So uh, I don't think that's ever going to change. Um, Cam and Eddie, you had a great weekend in good old Watkins Glen, home state track for you. You got to meet people. You sent me a great photo of your uh, daughters meeting Catherine Leg and uh, you bought stuff and you, you got super plaid with the FAF Porsche team. And this seems like a pretty amazing uh, couple of weekends in a row for you. Yeah, it was, um, it was, it was amazing. I got to, I finally got to meet Bozy, you know, before the rain on Saturday, walked up and shook his hand and all that good stuff. Awesome dude. Um, Notice that he left before you could speak. Yeah, so I, that's fine. I, I don't got, know if that was mutual. That's all I'm but, saying. But like, you know, seriously, I'm now a Vassar Sullivan, like good luck charm. I am going to have to go to a bunch more of these things. <laughs> You're going to get paid to go. Wheeler's getting paid to stay away. I love how this stuff manifests. <laughs> It's great. I'm like, I'm texting Wheeler, you know, back and forth. I'm sitting down in turn one and it's like, I'm like, dude, these, these Acuras, like they just want to come around coming off a of one. He's like, yeah, man, you know, they're fighting tire pressure. It was great. Like we were going back and forth for a while. So it was fun. Hey, the best part though, Marshall is he's like, Hey, who's in the, who's in the one car. So I sent him the Alcamel timing and scoring app. I'm like, save this in your browser. This yep. is your new best friend. <laughs> dude. I was on that all afternoon. It was awesome. Um, well, let me send you the other one that's not publicly advertised, and you're going to love it even more. So awesome. Remind yeah, me after the show. It. But anyway, like I just want to I want to hit on a couple things because you got a real a tight show. But um, the the crowd there was awesome this year. Haven't seen that ever at the six hours. Um, great vibe. Uh, FAF Motorsports, Toronto Motorsports, like the best merch booth I've seen in a long time, if ever. Um, Catherine was great. She, you know, Dex was awesome trying to, you know, get me set up so they could get a picture. Um, just everybody was fantastic. Ryan Eversley, like just a great weekend, even with the rain. So yeah, no, it was a great weekend. Well, never give Declan uh, credit for anything ever again. That was your one and final warning <laughs> from rage control. Gotcha. Um, and I'm really glad you got to enjoy it, man. It's been one of my favorite events to go to over the years and, Hey, you never know. Maybe you can go to Petit Le Mans for me, too. I'm sure I'll talk to the master saloon about that. <laughs> Will do. So if you right, want, hit me up later for Sully's phone number. <laughs> you got it. Thank you both. All right, Marshall, where do you want to go with this one now? Let's see here. I mean, Alex is like the obvious answer, right? I mean, I already clicked it. Not sure, man. My phone must be. Uh, there we go. Hey, Alex. Howdy! Is it actually connected this time? Yeah, it actually worked. Wet it. I'm glad you finally updated your Ooh. phone. Because it kicked me out the last time we tried to do this. I hope you all are having a great, wonderful evening. Uh, How you doing, pal? You doing all right? Yeah, it's been a long stretch since. 
the 500, working that for the first time was, it was a lot of fun. It wore me out for weeks afterward. But I'm, we're going to be going to Mid-Ohio this weekend, and I'm very excited. Because first time, uh, for, no, no, my, my dad's standing in front of me, and he just, he just held up two. He's right. Technically, my second time going. For, uh, second time for my parents, because they'll be there as well. So I think my ma- I did have a quick question, and that's this. Is, I'm going to ask the same question that I did about IMS. Favorite, favorite little like hiding spots to watch, like to watch. Uh, that's a super easy one. Is so it? where where you find a lot of people is infield area, and there's some phenomenal viewing spots there, but. The final corners, the last complex of corners leading on to the good old front straight, leading on to pit lane. If you work yourself backwards from pit lane, there are some awesome viewing points. That would be driver's left uh, in every instance. You will find folks back there camping with their motorhomes or true just little tents put out. Not a ton. But it's a small little valley that is kind of sequestered a little bit. I heard it's thunderous, Marshall. I heard the valley is thunderous. Well, uh, it's chock full of lightning. Um, It's pretty cool. And I like it because there are some really tend to be some nice, fun, and friendly folks. But it's not a big, overwhelming amount of folks. And it's in a little bit of an isolated area that's disconnected from the other main, much bigger and more populated camping zones. And so that would be my suggestion for a really cool area. Plus, that to me is a lot of fun to watch because I don't have the corner numbers memorized. But basically the whole section uh, where they sweep downhill off camber through that thunder lightning valley there sweep up to the left crest over the hill break 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 turn right and then go left onto the front straight the cars and this is as someone like yourself alex who's deeply involved in the the race car engineering and physics and dynamics of all the sections of the track indy cars are being asked to do about 97 different things at the same time and so the drivers are fighting for grip. They're having to catch slides, deal with understeer. Um, vehicles are floating and flying and doing all kinds of amazing things. This is really an amazing section to watch. So I think you will love it. And again, I don't think you'll be bothered by too many people getting in your way. Heck yeah. That's, I've got that written down so we know where to go. Uh, we'll be rolling in sometime on Thursday. We had, we had intended on going to go explore around once we got in our tent set up. And Marshall, I know you're not going to be there uh, this weekend because you're taking some time off, which, as you should, you've been on the longest stint of your life. Well, I've also got my wife's birthday here uh, coming up that's in a couple true. of days. So that's the actual super important part. And just to give you numbers... Uh, it's turn 9, 10, 11, 12. So, uh, yeah, 
Thunder Valley and the Carousel, that on driver's left is just magical. No, yeah. I've got that. My dad's holding up the track and I'm still gonna, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Sweet! <laughs> uh, I will, and Wheeler, I will have a present for you. I will have a present for any uh, Prude people who are going to be there at Mid-Ohio. Well, then I guess I should go. Maybe. Maybe possibly. All that right. would help. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, well I, I, I'll be there Thursday morning. Probably going to sneak off, play golf, and then uh, come back for the track walk. And then, yeah, be there all weekend so you know where to find me. I look forward to seeing you guys. Look forward to seeing you too. I'm so excited. Um, Marshall, 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 Marshall. Let's go to Nick. Hey guys. <clears throat> Hello. Hello. Hi, hey, Nick. um, I'm going with my buddy. We've, I've been 20 years off and on at the Daytona 500 and went to my first Indy 500 last year, but I wanted to know with IMSA coming back, what's it like going to your first IMSA race? And what to expect. Jordan Taylor is my favorite driver, and I'm all in with anything with IMS because it's my home track. That's awesome. Um, I want to answer it in, in the way I normally would, which is it's like going to an IndyCar race, but even more access. But I want to pull back on that just a little bit, Nick because we don't know exactly how IMSA is going to be set up there. Uh, are all the entries going to be restricted within Gasoline Alley, placed inside the garages there, et cetera, et cetera, and you need a special pass as a fan to get in and see them, or will they be paddocked somewhere else? So just from the, not the racing part itself, but the getting to go to your first IMSA race and experience things. If every other IMSA race is a guide, even though we don't exactly know how IMSA will be laid out and presented to its fans at IMS, if it's anything like the others, you are going to be blown away by the, no way, they all like welcomed me under the tent and let me like sit in the car. Or if you've got kids, usually it's, you know, let your children sit in the car, pose with stuff. Like, it's just... I'm not saying IndyCar is a harsher vibe or meaner vibe, but IMSA is just a little bit of a different culture where the the mantra of you know fans, uh, where the fans come first, where the fans are are placed above everything else, that is really a long-standing part of the culture. So. Assuming that will all be made to happen as it should at IMS, I think you'll be blown away by how many up-close photos you got of this and how many folks you got to meet. And you'll get to meet a lot of drivers and all that cool stuff too, but like, you'll probably make a friend or two among whichever mechanics who will welcome you in to look at something or show you something. So it's just more of a, if you come to our races you're instantly a part of our family type thing within the paddock. There are a few exceptions, of course. There are a few teams that are not necessarily buying into that, but the vast majority do. Uh, and then the racing itself is just a lot of fun. 
And as I recommend, even just for like the Indy Grand Prix, even though it's, you know, only about a two hour race, um, bring a rolling something or other or a backpack or whatever. And you know, don't just buy a grandstand seat and sit if you're able to uh, plan on walking and going from corner to corner and just seeing the cars at different angles and speeds and vantage points. Cause there's so many different types of cars that are so amazing that to me, get up close in this corner and then go see them at top speed there and like watch the brakes glow and just, yeah, go and experience all of it uh, and walk around as much as you can. Make sure yeah, yeah. you go see Bozy. That's yeah. Got to go see Bozy. We'll I'll keep that in mind. My my buddy's actually in this uh, chat too, and Scott's a big reason why I like IndyCar. And Jimmy Johnson was the reason that I started watching it, except for the Indy Five Hundred. And it's just really cool seeing all this stuff come together with other motorsports because I've been a NASCAR fan since I've been alive, and I still am. But just seeing everything that IMS is trying to provide, and I would with like we went to the um indy eight hour where they ended the race under the lights for the first time with the fan attack challenge and just being able to walk around and we went up i heard him pounding with sledgehammers the old pirelli rims out of the tires and i saw a guy with a red wagon full of wheels and we we're like or rims and tires and i was like we need to go over there and find that we use them tires as an yeah. inner tube on the hill going into turn one of the road course and then we see D Jay Douglas Bowles walking down there. And my buddy says, hang on, I need to go down there. And he's walking to the porta potty and he interrupts Douglas Bowles for a selfie. And then we come back up to the grandstands and there's Roger Penske with us. And I was like, I've never been more impressed with the venue, regardless of the event. Just to experience the atmosphere was enough. But to just feel the welcome of what IMS provides. And on top of what you guys said with IMSA, I am so very excited about this event. It's going to be badass. Oh, I really appreciate everything awesome, you guys Nick. do. Oh, well, that's sweet of you. But we'll look forward Thank to you, seeing man. you there. Yeah, and, looking and forward and to having you said, out. Thank you. Definitely go see Bozy because Bozy's been doing this cool thing. Any new fan that introduces himself, he gives them $100. Holy crap. So definitely go find uh, Bozy. I, that's, I think you got the wrong Bozy. <laughs> what? What? I, 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 I'm just a mechanic, you know. I can't, you know, just be throwing money around like that. Oh, you're making all kinds of Twitter Spaces mo money Bozy. <laughs> Don't give me that nonsense. The but the yeah, yeah, I've yeah, still got the hundred he gave me, Bozy. See, wow. but I, I got a Rodney Sandstorm wow. shirt. I might have to give me some Bozy merch if you make it. Yeah, but for real, Nick. Uh, when we get, you know, we do, we tend to do a show every Monday. Sometimes we go to Wednesdays during the off season, but. Uh, I'll be there for uh, for the race, so we'll Wheeler, so a lot of us, and yeah, just uh, join us, or you know, be sure to reach out. We'll you, you'll probably be able to do it on your own, but any of us happily take you or anyone else. Like, hey, you want to go see the BMWs or the whatever, you name it, we'll go show you around. That's one of the things that being on the inside, like if nothing else, the least we can do is bring those that we meet. Um, to go see stuff, um, you know, behind the barriers, because you know, why have idiot friends if they can't do that? That's so awesome! I really appreciate it. I'll keep that in mind whenever we're down there in September. Thank you guys so much. Most welcome, Wheeler. Uh, you're you got a closer for us, and then you're taking us home. That's right, buddy. I got Bernard keyed up here. He's connecting right now. The pride of Wisconsin. My favorite closer in all of Twitter. Bernard, welcome to the show, buddy. I do not mean to alarm anyone, but I think I might have had my greatest idea ever. 
Well, hopefully, I'm really, really scared. Yeah, hope, hopefully you're not peaking early in college because you got a whole life ahead of you to come up with good ideas. But uh, we're, li- we're listening. So, um, I was watching one of the two. I don't remember which one, but uh, MX5 Cup races this weekend, and somewhere in there, the like couple brain cells I have up there clicked between James Hinchcliffe drove in the whatever that a1 gp or whatever that like national racing series they used to have back in the day and he was driving then and i came up with an idea of we should have an mx5 like international race of champions 24-hour race you know the problem bernard is not going to be the concept the problem i hate to say this is going to be the finances because to get that many professional race car drivers together to drive those things around for that long, we're going to have to pay them a lot of money. The thought that they would do it for fun is almost non-existent. Can I tell you, by the way, Bernard, that you are are just modeling your namesake, the amazing um, Wolfgang Bernard Monser, uh, an ace auto racing reporter, Mr. Two Questions himself from Germany, who lavished myself Mike Levitt, Rick Dole, uh, and Nick Leo uh, at Road America talking about the amazing merits of the A1GP series that you have referenced. So how phenomenal that this uh, series keeps getting brought up. But yeah, I'm with you. I had another thought. It's a variation on this, and it's a pretty extreme variation. So for those of us who are old enough to remember, once upon a time, IndyCar had an all-star race. Uh, it was called the Marlboro Challenge. This is back when tobacco money paid for seemingly everything in IndyCar and lots of other sports. But the Marlboro Challenge was held at the final race of the year. And I think it was the top 10 drivers. I don't remember if it was in the championship at the time or top 10 based on wins and whatever else. But the top 10 drivers were chosen. They used their backup cars to race, but it was like a Saturday race, and it was in front of, again, at the season finale, separate race within a race, and it was basically just for a lot of cash and a lot of money. And we've been needing something entertaining like this for a while in IndyCar, because while IndyCar races are very entertaining, the one thing IndyCar does not have is anything that isn't completely regular. We got 17 races. We got preseason testing. We do all the things that, like, you know what they are every year. There's no surprises. There's no, like, special weekends, throwback weekend, and cool. Like, IndyCar does 0% stuff that we don't expect every year. And so the idea of, hey, what about having an all star race that just feels a little different and special? I bring it up every now and then. It gets brought up by others. I think you're onto something with the MX5 Cup because getting them to race in their own indie cars and backup, eh, right? They're just going to crash into each other and someone's going to wipe everybody out and try and take the cash on the last lap. I would rather see an MX-5 Cup race of the top 10 indie car drivers. Now, granted, these cars will be 100% destroyed, but it just strikes me that something, little things that can take a punch instead of just instantly fold, like most of the indie cars, if we're talking suspension or wings or whatever, like that to me seems like, if anything, that could be an IMSA all-star race, IndyCar all-star race, maybe a global all-star race, right? 
top three from IndyCar, IMSA, NASCAR, F1, WEC, whatever. I think we got an idea here. Who's going to be the promoter, though? Fine, Marshall, I'll do it. Wheeler Motorsports Engineering Services, the promoter oh. of this. But, and Bernard, you're going to be the race director because I know you wouldn't let a race go green with a car stranded in the middle of turn one. So Yeah, that, that was that. a little dumb. Uh, Wheeler, other than solving all the world's problems, um, should we poll our guests for any final questions or com- not questions, comments? Bozy. What do you give us? Give us something. What are you doing? You get a day off? Do you go to the shop and like bring ice cream or donuts? Does Sully bring stuff? We know Vassar's drunk as a skunk right now. That's just a given. We know that the aforementioned Kevin Diamond is through his ninth carton of Marlboro since the win. But like, what do you do? What's your what's your true celebration thing among the crew? Well, he obviously yeah. just. Has- that's what he does. Hitting mute on our shows, apparently, his his form of celebration. Uh, hey, Sagan, are you going to be a jerk and go win, like, four out of five this weekend? You know? I mean, you realize others show up to try and win, too. You apparently just truly don't care about any of them. One team, baby. I think our Let's plan for the rest of the year is to, uh, is to steal everybody's money for the rest of the year. That's the plan. One team, one dream, Sagan. I'm with you. Let's ride. That's right. Pen card at number one all year long. Let's do this. Beep, 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 beep. All right, Wheeler. Uh, we went a half hour longer than we thought, uh, but this is our yeah. attempt to uh, throttle back on the show. So we failed yeah. again, so, and I take full blame. As, as we look back at our time together this evening, I want to say thank you, as always, to everybody for participating, for liking, sharing, retweeting, telling your friends, first-time question askers and uh, repeat offenders. Um, Obviously, uh, we haven't been here for a while, and you know uh, the point I want to drive home today is be be okay saying no to things. Be okay to to realize that sometimes you you just got too much shit going on. You need to be able to kind of reset, right? Marshall and I have been on a, an absolute warpath for months now, and simply put, man, we're tired, and we we do what we can, but uh, you know. We've taken a little break, and now we're going to start coming back to you. Don't let don't let life drag you down to a point that you feel like you can't say no to stuff and you can't take a break because you can always find time to make sure that you're doing it the right way. Super important because if you just keep burning that thing at both ends, at some point the flames are going to catch catch up with each other and you have nothing left. So you know what we should mention my, though quickly quickly though Chris is just on that topic. Sure. We just we just lost our pal Patrick Lanigan of the Ray Hall Lanigan Letterman team. Congratulations to uh, to them on the victory. Also to our pal Andrew here, one of the uh, mechanics on BMW M Team RLL. So those are indeed folks who have been burning at both ends and uh, we're just rewarded for that. So just want to give a little bit of love there. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. And so that's the message tonight. It's It's take the time. Make sure that you're, you know, You've got the energy to do things right because when you're over over exhausted and you're not not 100 percent, how good are you really? Um, take those time timeouts and enjoy it. You know, always. You know, we want to talk about the important things in life, like reaching out to the people that you care about. Reach out to your friends and your family, and, and just say hi to them. Check on them. Make sure they're doing okay. 
Um, you know, it doesn't have to be a certain season. The weather doesn't have to be a certain temperature. The clouds don't have to be, you know, doing certain things for somebody to, to feel alone in life. So reach out and make sure that nobody's ever alone because we've all been there at one point or another and we don't like it. And it's our job to be better people. Uh, life also is not that difficult, folks. In fact, life's pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Um, one thing that will be a massive advantage for you, though, if you can figure this one out, it's really simple. Don't be a dick. Manage that. You're already halfway there. So, for my esteemed co-host, Marshall Pruitt, I'm Chris Wheeler. We want to thank you for joining the Racing Family Show here this evening, and we will see you down the road. Beep, 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 beep.